0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, alongside former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So Surrey moved seven points clear at the top of Division 1 of the county championship by thrashing Warwickshire. We'll talk about that and uh, we'll also be joined by Middlesex bowler Tim Murtagh after he took his thousandth wicket for the club across all formats on his way to a ten-wicket haul in their win over Kent. We'll also hear exclusively from England batter David Milan. As he hits out at some of the criticism he's received over his place in the white ball set up for England, and we'll end the show by discussing the week's other stories, as the county game is set for yet another rejig, and could the future of the hundred be in doubt? So, a lot to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. And where else to begin? other than with the defending champion Surrey beating Warwickshire. They swatted them aside. It was uh, a little too easy, um, Harmy. don't think uh, the Bears will be particularly impressed with that. But, I mean, seriously, how good are Surrey? And, you y- I mean, they they could field a second team in the championship
1: and they'd probably also contend. Yeah, they'd turn into the, the sort of man city of, of, uh, of cricket because of the amount of players they've got missing and... They did last year as well. They had a lot of players missing last year. Still went on to win the championship. Strengthened this year and obviously bringing in Dom Sibley. But they just look a good side. They look a really good side. You've got a top, an international top three um, who have played for England for for, a, for more than one game. So that helps when, especially when the ball's have been around a bit. Um, and then their bowling attack on paper, you see, uh, from a name point of view. You take Kimar Roach out. You'd say it's a, it's a good first-class attack, but when they put the runs on the board that they've got, they're, they're dangerous. Worrell's a good bowler, but Kemal Roach, even to the, the extent of the agility of Kemal Roach, when he dives full stretch forward to take that court and bowl, um, that was that was frightening as well. So they're, they're a good side. Those have been. They're always going to be, whoever finishes above Surrey, are going to win the championship. But I must admit, looking around, first three or four games of the season, Don't think anybody's going to be above Surrey come the end of the championship because come two weeks' time before the Test match starts, when some of their international stars come back, try and get a hit before the the, the Test series starts, um, they're going to be even stronger. There was some talk about
0: Surrey being disrespectful, sending Tom Laws and Dan Worrell out to open in the second innings with just 11 runs needed. Uh, I've got strong views
1: about that, but what are yours? To be honest, 11, 11 men in the team and 11, 11 men back, do not matter what order they going. in. I've seen teams pick, pick an order of a pack of cards at the end of the season when you play dead rubbers. I've got no problem with that. I don't think it's disrespectful. the end, the end of the day, somebody's going to go and knock the runs off. I, we're talking about we have England, if England are in that position in this summer, I've got no doubt that Brendan McCollum will try and send out Jimmy Anderson because he wants Jimmy Anderson and he's a career to hit the winning runs for England. He's been close a couple of times. But well, I think if England need ten to win throughout this summer, at some point Anderson will walk out to bat. I've got no doubt of that. because Stokes and McCullum, you know, I want Jimmy's career to to sort of have a, a match-winning batting di- display, nearly happened in Wellington. It might, hopefully, it might happen this summer. So I've got no problem with it. And once again, we are in profound agreement. <laughs> I
0: don't think it. I think it's complete nonsense. People saying that's disrespectful absolute nonsense it doesn't matter who's caused the winning runs the game's won just a brief mention because I want to talk about Durham your boys going really well top of division two but just a quick mention um, Middlesex Kent because obviously we'll be talking to Tim about that a little bit later in the show Zach Crawley such a contrast isn't it him and Ben Compton um, Ben Compton now Kent are obviously been thrashed here they've been swatted aside as easily as Warwickshire were by Surrey And uh, I wonder how Ben Compton must be feeling. He's batted for all but 17 overs across both innings for Kent. He Mm. is a solid and old-fashioned type of opener, as as you can find in the entire championship. And yet he must feel, I've got no chance of playing for England
1: while McCullum and Stokes are in charge. Yeah, unfortunately, Ben, you don't think you are in the equation for opening the bat for England because, not because of the way you bat, but I just think I don't think England will drop Zach Crawley. I, I really don't. I think Ben Duckett's got more chance of being left out than than Zach Crawley. Done it again last year. He's done it again this year, Ben Compton. He's got value on his wicket and he turned into the Joe Root of the England cricket team for about two years, wasn't it? And that's, a weird, that's what happened with Joe Root, with, the, with Compton and Ken. But, joking aside, you have to have a look at Zach Crawley. I want Zach to perform. I want him to to succeed because I want him to perform for England because I think he benefits the England team when he's when he's on song. But there's two or three times this year where I've looked and gone, who they're playing. And again, I'll say it again, like you did a couple of weeks ago, the last thing Zach wants to see is Chris Fushworth. Well, anybody else, and you're looking at it, doesn't want to play against Jimmy Anderson. Nobody wants to play against Jimmy Anderson this time of the year, but nobody wants to play against Tim Murray to read it. And unfortunately, even before a ball was bowled, I thought, an LBW bold or caught first slip would have been the dismissal that Tim Mitz would have had against Zach Crawley. Didn't think it would be in the emphatic fashion that it is, because yeah, you know, the first one was a it was a great bit of setup. Because I watched a bit of it, a away, moving away, nips it back, stumps go everywhere. In the first ball, you can get out first ball, no issue with that. Good area, good ball. You play away from your body, but still, yeah, trying to get a feel of the ball. Um, against a good bowler but looking into the fast forward into the summer Zach Crawley is feast of famine isn't it It is Okay let's uh, look at Durham against Derbyshire another
0: comprehensive victory innings and seven runs Um, so many talking points I mean, uh, Durham, I know that you're naturally biased but I agreed with you before the season even began that Durham looked like a Division 1 team they've got strength in all departments really Um, I tell you what did stand out for me it was Bryden cast making ninety one last week, and you're thinking, oh, how long is he going to have to wait before he does
1: actually score his first hundred? <laughs> one game, as it turned out. Yeah, he's. I think he's an exceptional talent. I've I've said that for for quite a while now, but he's not been fit. He, he had a real struggle last year getting fit. He's gone away. He went to the SH twenty, won that with his franchise. He come back, bounced back after having a good good winter. He's been around the England white ball setup, but you got 91 at six at number eight last week. Got got 100 at number seven this week. And what we've said all along about the England cricket team is that if their player, Rod Anderson-Robinson, Wood, Leach, even Archer, they've got four number tens. So at number eight, they're going to need somebody that can come back and bowl a bit. And that's where Wilkes is always going to come into the equation. I think we've just found one more that potentially could fill that void if England need. That pace bowler, as well as somebody who can, you know, who can bat because of you know everything they keep getting blown away. So that's where Kars, I think benefits. I think he batted beautifully and aggressively at the end of the inning. It was all set up by Ollie Robinson, who along with Jim Smith mentioned his name a bit earlier. Bat said, "You know Gareth Batty, the story coaches. You know I sang the praises of Robinson and Smith about being the future England witty keepers." Um, Ollie Robinson getting runs in the top order he bats at number 5 for Durham you know, 5 and 6 he's a good player, he is a proper player and I know Marcus North tried everything he possibly could to make sure he was Durham's number 1 target when they got him on loan and then they took him from Kent it's been a great, great sign it's been a great week and Durham just come, you know, completely blown loads of them there was no sign of any danger for Durham in this game they went racked up a big score bowled him out, stuck him back in and said, right, we're going to have a couple of days off and just wanted the rest. I got the impression in the first couple
0: of the games of the season that uh, Matty Potts might have been trying a bit too hard, just desperate to get off to, to a flyer. And uh, he was sort of, he looked like he was trying to bowl wicket taking balls all the time, but he just seemed a lot more settled,
1: sort of a bit more rhythmical. Maybe I'm imagining that. Yeah, you also bowled that, I think he bowled a little bit fuller or. You can't really tell too much from sort of the streams because it was it yeah, bounces in, it bounces out. But in the first couple of games, he bowled that the length that his natural length just that little bit shorter, and I think because of that on these wickets, it just sits in, sits up, or it sits in, where you bowl it that little bit fuller, all the wicket gets a little bit better, a bit harder, so you can skid it through, and the yeah that that sort of back of a length that he does bowl becomes more effective, and I just think that helped along with confidence. You got a few wickets. Once you get a few wickets early on your belt, bang, you feel invincible. And I think that's the difference between the fir- first couple of games in this game. He got off to a good start, got a couple of wickets, and then all of a sudden he became aggressive. He, he did. He bowled aggressively as well. He got a, a wicket which was bowled off of the helmet. Um, he did. He bowled. He bowled nicely. Ben rain bowled really well at the other end as well. Solid cast, an all-round good performance. In, when You're ticking boxes, you know. You tick a box and you think, Right, my openers have scored runs three and four in Beddingham and Wolfwick, have got hundreds. Robinson, where you keep a batsman, got hundreds. And then my bowlers have have done the job. Rain got lavish in twice last week. Potts has got a fifer. I think Ryan Campbell must must think, Right, going into this, the, the, the next part of the season after this first part, going, I couldn't this, this couldn't have gone any better for me, other than potentially winning you know, the other game the game down at Glamorgan if the, the rain hadn't had come, because I think Durham would have won that game. But even still, um, it's been a great start for Ryan Campbell. OK, so
0: Leicester-Sussex-Durham, the top three with 45, 41 and 40 points. At the bottom, um, are Derbyshire uh, with only 14 points, but they've only played two games. There will, however, Army, final point um, on this subject, be questions asked about Mickey Arthur's dual role. A lot of uh, attention, which he felt uncomfortable about. Um, I mean, the fact that he did go to Lahore a couple of weeks ago to talk to the PCB. There will be questions asked, obviously, about his dual role now. You know, Derbyshire fans will look at where the team are and how they've started and think, you know, are you really as committed as uh, you say you are? I know he is, but those questions will be asked.
1: they will be asked, but the, the, a lot of the job that has been has already been done is now down to the players' Uh, it really is. The, look, work working pre-season, getting yourselves ready for the game starting and the season starting. That job has been done. That's done from, from a while ago. And pick the side. These are the best 14 players that are performing at this minute in time going into the season. That job was already done even before you went off to Pakistan. So from that point of view, the players have to take some responsibility. Yes, it's it doesn't look great from the outside that you've got a dual role the players can't use it as an excuse just to say, I'm not batting very well because my coach has gone off to Pakistan. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work like that. They will try. You've seen it in football. Seen it so many times on football. Yeah, our Premier League teams change their managers sometimes every every 25 games. And a lot of it is down to petulant. You over-ego players going, ah, I'm not bothered. He'd be gone in a week. I'll get somebody else in. I'll bluff me went through the next 20 games and... If I don't fancy him, he'll be gone as well. So, big players have to take responsibility. It's not ideal. I don't think, in the short term, you can use it as an excuse because I would imagine good people will see through it. If not, well, then not good people. You're listening to The Cricket Collective
0: on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. A reminder, we'll bring you more live commentaries, by the way, uh, from the IPL every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday afternoon here on TalkSport2. Delighted to say, as promised at the top of the show, we're joined live by the one and only Tim Murtagh, who at the age of 41 has just taken his fifth ten-for, ten-wicket uh, match hall um, in Middlesex's uh, victory. And what a storming comeback it's been for Middlesex after losing the first game, first two games to win the next two. Tim, fabulous
3: stuff, terrific. Uh, how are you feeling? Yeah good thanks we've sort of as you say we've played the first four weeks of the county championship so we've got a we've got a week off this week which is nice it's nice to have won that game going into a week off as well and rediscover a bit of form because you, you know after the first two games everyone was slightly concerned being two from two the wrong way so yeah it's it's nice to go in, into these sort of 10 days we've got the london derby next thursday as well which is you know always a big game for us um, so, very much looking forward to that already. And Tim, you've gone
1: into a player coach's role. How has uh, that gone? You know, trying to get yourself prepared on the fields to go and bowl, but also it's not quite as a senior player role. You've got a lot of responsibility with the bowlers and the rest of the
3: group. Yeah, it's been slightly strange, on me. It's kind of, I played the first game of the season, then got sort of left out for the next two and sort of had to switch hats and put my bowling coach hat on and sort of help the guys i, I probably wasn't the best bowling coach uh the day before the the third game and lords when i found out that i wasn't playing i threw a bit of a hitty fit and a bit of a grunt but i had to get over that and then sort of get behind the boys who were playing and that's you know that's the kind of role that i've taken on this year and that's the way i need to be i need to i need to give these guys as, as much help and support as i can when i'm not playing but still, obviously, sort of want to play as, as much cricket as I can, right, sort of in the twilight of my career. Uh, you want to sort of make the most of, of what's left, I suppose. But you also said, Mertz, uh, a couple of days ago
0: that you realise you can't play every week, week in, week out. But I must say, it's a good sign if you're having a history fit because you're not in the team. That you've obviously still got the hunger.
3: Yeah, exactly. And sort of Jono said that. We had, a, we had a good sort of discussion, we'll call it. And and he, he would prefer that I'm that way. You know, he knows that I want to play every week and, you know, that's his job. He's got to manage not just my workload, but everyone's work workloads. Uh, um, it's quite a tough sort of first couple of months of the year in terms of the amount of championship cricket that's played. So uh, I'm old enough to understand that that's, that's always going to be the case. Um, but, you know, it's still, as I said, still want to play as, as much cricket as I can because... Um, it's not gonna last forever and I wanna enjoy, you know, every game and every win and every wicket that I take from now on in. In terms of this the start of the season you say it's been difficult. We had
1: Rocky on Mark Stoneman on the on the show last week and I was sort of just asking him if it was you know, a good ball, poor poor batting or a little bit of both that you get, you know, sometimes at the start of the season. But one player that's coming back to you who we both fancy me and Manners have talked up throughout this cricket collective in the last two years is Ryan Higgins and he has performed at the start of the season for you how good is it to have him back
3: oh he's brilliant he's he's like a little kind of pocket rocket he's a fighter he's the kind of perfect man you want walking out at number sort of six seven wherever he bats at, at sort of whether you're in trouble or whether you're looking to push the game forward um he's that kind of ideal ideal guy in that lower to middle order and you know his bowling his bowling will always be you know great steady and will always ask questions of people especially this time of year if the ball's nipping around a bit yeah he's he's been a fantastic signing for us and and probably one we should never have let go of in the first place to be honest but um you know it's great to have him back he's he's a good competitor and you know we just love playing cricket with him.
0: I haven't asked you about a thousand wickets for middlesex how you feel about that I mean it used to happen regularly in the 1930s. you take a
1: thousand wickets for your county. Well, when I first started in the 19- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um yeah.
3: That's what I've been implementing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's something I wasn't aware of at the time. I was sort of more focused on the game and that last wicket happened to be, you know, my tenth in the game, which kind of at the time was more important to myself and the team. But yeah, it's, it's a lovely feeling. It's sort of, a moved room was a 2007s middle set so it's been a really sort of you know enjoyable what's it been now 16 years something like that the county and you know I was made to feel very welcome as soon as I moved and uh it, you're right it's you know a fantastic achievement and it's something I'll probably look back on when I retire you know with more kind of joy than perhaps I do at the moment but yeah it's 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 a lovely milestone to have ticked off and Tim you've You've been around, you mentioned
1: that, since 2007 and at Middlesex, but a long time before that with Surrey. So you've seen the proposals, county championship changing so many times. We've had the 100 in and out, it's like the Okie-Kokie, and you've got the blast changing every now and again. But one person who is who cl- you're very close to, who I think the world of, is Sir Andrew Strauss. And Strauss leaves ECB very, very soon. I think he did a, uh, an excellent job with that high performance review and I think it, it'll be three to five years before it's, people realise, actually, he did have a point. This is a good idea. Um, but what's your take on what, what's been proposed again? Three divisions in the championship, the blast movement of three groups again. Are you, are, you, are you players now sick of this sort of out, outside interference? What is uh, a wonderful game which everybody enjoys
3: playing? Yeah, do you know what? I'm- Sort of quite long in the tooth, and as you say, I'm probably a bit sick of all the proposed changes that seem to happen every every time we lose an Ashes series, or every time uh, the England team are performing well. It's it's sort of back to county cricket, and what can we change? And you know, everything must be bad with county cricket, and I'm not really that fussed whether we play ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen games, but let's just stick to let's just stick to one of them and go with it for a while because even the sort of bonus points and everything changing from year to year. I just, I don't, I can't get my head around that, to be honest. You know, there's always, England's always going to be unique in the number of counties there are. It's always going to be a unique competition to play in because you play so much. You play on all different kind of surfaces. I mean, we speak to, I speak to Sam Robson quite regularly and uh, obviously he, he started his career in Australia, but coming over to England, it's, it's something he loves. It's, you know, playing in week in, week out, playing in different conditions. He kind of sees that as a real strength to the competition. And I, I sort of tend to agree with that. So, I mean, you have to be careful. You have to look at the amount of cricket that's being played, especially internationally, around the world, franchises, you know, tours. But let's, let's just find a formula and stick to it and, and just get on with it instead of pulling our game apart every season, it seems. I'm still mesmerized by the fact that uh,
0: my co host is only two and a half years older than you. Look at that man. Look at that specimen of a
1: man, <laughs> Harmison. He's just taken 10 for 82. I know. I know. That, but the problem is, the only thing I've stopped doing is bowling. So keep up with that because you'll end up looking like this in. Yeah. I've won. I all- <laughs> can't see a shoe,
0: then I must ask you about Ireland before we let you go. Um, I'm yeah. sure I know that you'll be following their progress quite closely, and obviously the massive occasion coming up against England at Lords, um, one that uh, you made the most of the last time Ireland played um, at Lords. I know that you would have watched their progress in Sri Lanka. Um, they got a bit of a belting in the first test, but uh, bounced back, and you know they did lose the second test, but. I'm sure there was a massive amount of learning going on
3: there. How do you think they'll go at Lords? Oh, I am mean, I'm really excited to see how they go. I mean, the teams changed quite a bit since since that Test match we had at Lords, and it's great exposure and great experience. Look, they've had three Tests this winter and come out of the wrong side of it, obviously. But you know, two in Sri Lanka and one one in Bangladesh. It, it doesn't get much tougher than that, especially for you know a bunch of guys that don't play much first class cricket and haven't had. You know, much exposure to to playing against teams of that quality in the longer form of the game. So, yeah, I'm I'm there at Lords on day one of very kindly been invited into the president's box of the MCC. So, I'll be there sipping on my pims and eating my prawn sandwiches, <laughs> watching the boys, and just really excited. You know, if there were some good performances in that tour. Sturlov, who's someone I'm very close to, great to see him get a test hundred and. You know, Harry Tech, I know we commentated on, on games for who we were both very excited to see as well. So it was a really special, special three days back then in twenty nineteen and you know, it'd be equally as special for, for those eleven players to take the field on June the second or whatever it is. And just finally from me, Tim, apart from sipping pims at Lord's in the president's
1: suite on the mcc's account during the test match, what you know, what can Middlesex achieve? throughout this season, you've had that, you know, the bad patch at the start and you're now kicking on. What can this style achieve?
3: Uh, I mean, sort of those first couple of weeks spoken before were tough and you know we had a pretty wet pre-season le- leading into it and had you know barely any pre-season games. So I always felt we were going to be two or three games behind a lot of teams who might have been away or been on tours. Um, it's difficult to judge, isn't it? The first time back in the first division for a while, um, we've obviously won the last two games and we've got Surrey up next, you know, they're probably the kind of standard bearer of, of quality in that division. So I, th- I think we'll know more after that game uh, next week, but yeah, we'll old cliche take it game by game and, and see where we'll end up at the end of the season. But you know, we're we're starting to enjoy our cricket and um, starting to get performances from sort of some of the younger players, Ethan Bamba, who you've mentioned before is, Taken first division cricket really well and and sort of improved even on last season so that's great to see so we'll see when we come up against Surrey next week where we stand. He used to be known as
0: uh, Mini Mertz. Um, I, I don't know whether that is still a nickname that Ethan Bamber enjoys, but you had uh, virtually identical figures um, in the first innings a couple of days ago: four for forty and four for forty-two.
3: <laughs> is he still in your shadow? No, I think he's I think he's creeping his way out of it. To be honest. It's it's great to see he's someone that I, I really sort of enjoy working with. He's he's always trying to learn, um, always trying to get better. He he went to Adelaide this winter and it and sort of um off his own back looked to improve himself as a cricketer, um, which which is great to see and that will that will hold him in good stead as as the summer goes on. But yeah, it's it's time for him to sort of kick on and, and uh sort of take over that kind of seam scene, scene bowling mantle from the likes of myself and Toby in years to come when he finishes. So, you know, I think the future's in in safe hands when it comes to our our seeing Bolan's stocks. Tim Murta, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know
0: that your place is always there in the TalkSport commentary box, but from a cricketing point of view, I hope it's another couple of years before you join. (laughs) Thanks, guys. That's the one and only Tim Murta. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner, Steve Harmison. And for more on County Cricket, you can check out Following On, the County Cricketer, in partnership with The Cricketer magazine, every Wednesday, and it's on the Following On feed. Next up, uh, we'll hear exclusively from England batter David Milan, who's been discussing the rise of franchise cricket and how he's dealt with the almost inevitable criticism surrounding his place in the England white ball
1: team.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well
2: to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan.
0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, time now to hear from England batter David Milan He's been discussing the rise of franchise cricket, how he looks after his mental well-being while playing all around the world and also the pressures of being the number one T20 batter in the world. Here he is in conversation with our very own Scott Taylor.
5: David, thanks for speaking to us on TalkSport. Firstly, how are you? You've had a busy winter and now start the county season.
6: Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks. Um... Yeah, it feels like the treadmills non-stop at the moment. Just uh, feels like it's quite hard to get a bit of time away from cricket. But you know, ultimately we've got a short career, so you want to try and play as much as you can. Um, But yeah, it's been a lovely winter. You know, being able to play as much cricket for England, and and to obviously have won a World Cup, and then now to come back and sort of hope you you score enough runs in the county season to be picked for England to be able to go to another one. So um, it's an exciting time at the moment.
5: Yeah, I was going to talk to you about this later in the chat, but I'll bring it up now. We're here talking ahead of the hundred, another franchise tournament. There's there's many around the world now. What's it like as a player playing in all these franchise leads? Because I was thinking to Lewis Gregory not so long ago, and he was saying that it's not what everyone thinks it is. It's many nights in a hotel room by
6: yourself. It can be take a toll a little bit. Yeah, it is. It's uh, look, it's it. Everything that's good comes with a bit of bad, isn't it? So, um, you know, you spend a lot of time away from home, a lot of time away from families. You know, you are locked up in secure bubbles, um, not necessarily for COVID, but for um, security wise. So it's not I wouldn't say it's the glamour that everyone thinks it is. um, But look, it's it's playing the game you love. It's been able to put yourself out there quite a lot um, in terms of playing cricket, in terms of being able to put yourself in the shop market, which is what the franchise cricket's about. If you do well in franchise cricket um, around the world, you get the opportunities to play international cricket because that's as close as you can get to to probably international cricket um, itself. Um, you know, the pressures that come with it, there's only maybe eight overseas players and you have to be pushing for four to be in there. You know, the the media, the crowd all behind their team. So that's as close as it comes to creating that pressure of international cricket. So the the, the better you do there and the more you put yourself in that shop window, the easier it becomes when you do get picked for England to be able to perform. You've played in
5: uh, several franchise tournaments around the world. Where does a 100 rate for you in terms of talent
6: and, and skill level, I guess? Yeah, definitely up there. If you break it down, it'll go from eighteen counties down to to eight teams, and you're putting all the strength of of all those teams into into eight teams plus three overseas players. Um, you know, it becomes an incredibly strong competition. I really like the fact that it's short and sharp, and it's in in a sort of a window that you know you you have to compete. It's not it's not sort of this where you're playing a game every two or three days and you're absolutely shattered by the end. You're actually we're able to sort of have a bit of time off between to be able to train and to be able to gather our thoughts between games, which allows you to keep the standards as, as, as high as you can. Um But yeah, look, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Love the, the format of it as well. You know, sure, I don't have to feel this long, which is absolutely brilliant when you get to, to my age. um, You know, so it, it just makes it a bit more entertaining, which is which is fantastic. How important is looking after
5: yourself mentally, though, because you mentioned it's a short career. It could be so easy to keep saying yes to all these opportunities, earn as much money as you can for later on in life. But you've got to look after yourself and even more so now in the last year since you've become a dad.
6: Yeah, definitely. It's um, I think that's been the hardest thing um, sort of mentally and physically. You know, you, you have to start sort of looking after yourself after cricket as well, as you said. So you you do start saying yes, but it, it's starting to become a bit more selective of tournaments. I think the hardest thing about them is you have to go into an auction or a draft or, or whatever it is. So you're never really guaranteed. So you end up having to put your name into quite a few things. And if you are fortunate enough to get picked up and suddenly you've got a lot of cricket coming up, so you almost put your name in, hope you only get picked up in three and, and, and you uh, do well in those and, and what have you. But yeah, look, it's, it is tough. It, it, I guess finding the balance is the hardest thing, you know, not being able to be at home and, and see your little ones as, as, as often as you want is 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 quite tough. But, um, you know, that's just part of the job and it doesn't last forever. Maybe you've got four more years left and then uh, and then hopefully be at home for a bit. What What's your drive? What's your
5: motivation? Uh, what, what's your goal when coming into all these franchise tournaments? Oh, look, uh,
6: my ultimate goal is to play for England for as long as possible and the shop window for that is playing domestic cricket and franchise cricket. If, if you do well in the hundred or the IPL or whatever um, tournament there is, and you do exceptionally well in that, then that pushes your case even more to play for England and keeps your name in the hat for that. So, you know, I, I guess my driving force at the moment is to to still be competitive and, and push for spots in in, in the England, in, England team. You know, obviously those decisions aren't mine, but the franchise cricket um, allows you to be able to, to, to be on that stage where if you, if you do it really well, then your name stays in there.
5: Yeah, and just on that, there was a lot of talk when you were number one batter in the world. I was to Ben folks about, about this, because now the rumours with Johnny coming back and the story about him wanting to keep, Ben said it was quite hard to actually ignore it. But when you were number one batter in the world, there was still somehow talk about your place in the side. How difficult was that to ignore and focus on the job at hand?
6: Yeah, it, it is quite tough. You know, everyone seems to have an opinion and everyone seems to like a favourite. So people that have been part of the England system for five years seem to get a lot more leeway in in, in general. I found that when I was in that situation, I found that uh, recent performances didn't count. It was always historical uh, uh, performances that, that mattered more. You know, so I, I found that really hard because it was sort of, well, what more do you want me to do? I, I score runs and then you... Criticise, and I don't score runs, and you criticise, and I score more runs, and you criticise. So, it, it is it is quite tough to take. Um, I guess that's where, you know, for me, Owen Morgan was so key for me. He was very, very, um, clear in what he wanted from me, and 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 backed me, um, publicly as well. Um, and when you have leaders that are, that go out and publicly back you, not necessarily saying you're going to be 100 percent starting, but to to back the the way you're playing and to back your talent that that took a lot of the pressure off me it took a lot of the trying to prove to everyone every time i played that you know i've got the same average and same strike rate as everyone else in the team but i've got there's an issue suddenly with the way i play because i haven't won a world cup in 2019 or i haven't hmm. been part of this massive journey the whole time you know so i i i feel for for folksy, but you know all he can do is is score the runs he does and ultimately it's not in his control and and hopefully if he does well enough then that makes more probably headaches for the selectors and the coach and the captain there because um, I think they've got quite, quite a few at the moment because everyone sort of started the county season really well and, and and done exceptionally well over the last 11 tests there
5: yeah but from your point of view has time and, and experience helped with that over the years
6: when managing that pressure and all the outside noise and stuff like that yeah a little bit like uh, I mean I don't I don't pay any attention to social media or anything like that anymore you know I don't actually watch cricket or anything like that anymore I- I watch what I need to watch to to get better. Whereas I, I'd probably sit up until about four or five years ago, I'd probably sit and watch it. I'd look through social media probably up until two or three years ago. And I just got to the stage where it was like, people have favorites, people are going to push their own agendas, uh, whether that be in the media, whether that be commentators, people have preconceived ideas on, on certain things and the way you play. And it just got to the stage where it was irrelevant. As long as I was doing what Owen Morgan and now Josh Butler asked me to do, um, that's all that matters. And if I'm not doing what they're doing, I don't expect to play. Um, So I I put it just down to, you know, every series, if I perform in that series and I play the way they want me to play, then I'll get picked for the next one. And if I don't, then it's because I haven't played or I haven't performed as well as I should have. So I've tried to simplify it a lot more um, and I find that makes it a lot easier uh, for me to be more comfortable in and around the group.
5: How excited are you for, for 2023? We've got this Ashes series, which everyone's talking about still, but straight off the bat, we've got the 100, and then the World Cup later this year. There's a lot to look forward to this year.
6: It is. It's a massive uh, summer for cricket, or year for cricket in general. Um, you look at it now, as you said, you've got the Ashes coming up. You've got the 100, then you've got a whole month of cricket with England. Um, then you've got the World Cup. So there's a hell of a lot of cricket coming up for, for the supporters and for the players as well. You know, You look at some players that will... Be part of the hundred, uh, sorry, be part of the the Ashes and be part of the uh, the World Cup. Could potentially win an Ashes and a World Cup in, in the same year if they if they uh, you know if the team plays as well as they can in both of those, uh, then the opportunity to play in the hundred as well because the window is there for them to play and to be able to win that. You know, some players could have a really good summer if they <laughs> if they're in the right teams and they play as well as they can and, and everything. All the stars are aligned. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting year. It's what everyone wants to do as a cricketer. You want to play in an Ashes and you want to play in a World Cup. And then you have a window to play in the 100. So everything sort of is aligned quite nicely. And, and with the Trent Rockets, you've got the
5: likes of Rashid Khan, Alex Hells, these sort of guys. And when I speak to players that play franchise cricket, they say about learning a lot. But what specifically have your game, have you learned from
6: playing around the world, playing in all
5: these tournaments?
6: Oh, I think the biggest thing for me was learning how to deal with the pressure. When you play county cricket, you have a three year contract and you can have a poor year every now and again, and it's absolutely fine. But if you have a poor tournament in the franchise tournament, the chance of you getting picked up there again is slim. So you actually learn how to deal with that, how to learn to stay in the moment, and and, and just to play with freedom at that time. Yes, we, we all fail. We'll have a poor tournament here and there. We all hit the ball badly for a month or two months when it's, you don't really want it the most. But it, um but look, I, I think that was the, the key for me, and, and it's the biggest lessons I learned when I started playing for England was that there is going to be pressure. There's going to be scrutiny about your your position, after every series. That's just the way it goes. And it actually prepared me really well for that to be able to go out and go, this is how I'm going to play. This is the way I want to do it. This is the way I'm going to fit into what the team needs me to do. And if I execute it, then I'll get back with it. And, and, and uh, you know, that was the biggest thing for me with franchise cricket. That pressure
5: that you talk about from playing in these leads has probably helped with the 100 because it's 20 less balls and people might go in and think, oh God, I have to score four or a ball and stuff like that.
6: Yeah, definitely. I think the, the first year we played uh, the 100 you know, one of the things we all kept saying was we've got a hell of a lot more time than we think. It's not T10 or anything like that. It's it's, it's yeah. actually a just a shortened version of a T20. So the first year we actually went out and played like we were playing a T20. And we actually realized probably towards the end of the tournament that we probably needed to go slightly earlier. We needed to take more risks earlier. And we put that into practice last year. You know, and it's amazing how when you do it, it you know, how, how as a team and you buy into it, how more entertaining the cricket is and and, and how you sort of can get, you know, those 20 or 30 more runs than you thought you would have got just by taking a chance with it, um, which is what makes this format so exciting. Well, I've got to let you go, but uh,
5: thanks for joining us on TalkSport. Good luck for 2023. No worries. Thank you, Scott.
0: That's uh, David Milan chatting to uh, our very own Scott Taylor. Harmy, you know what's really interesting to me about that is there's always a risk when you speak as honestly as, as Milan was there that you're going to sound like you're whinging. And, and, and he didn't. Not to my ears, anyway. What did you think? No, I didn't think he was whinging.
1: I think what you find, what I find with with Dad and the lad is he's a very honest person. I've had a couple of conversations with him, sort of social stand aside, and side. I one or two when I went to Yorkshire for that brief time, um, and he talked about he talked to me about what happened during the ashes and some of the stuff that went on there. From a personal point of view, with you know his wife gave birth and he went through a hard, he went through a hard time. He really did, and I'm not going to go into it because that's for his book. And it, it was a hard time, and he he deserves a, a pat on the back for mentally getting through what happened to him in in Australia. Well, you d- you didn't really you don't really hear about Milan in public. He doesn't speak very much. He's not not one of these big endorsement guys who goes off and signs a deal or do something, and then you get a full media attention with him. And he doesn't do the media that much. So when he does speak. Sometimes you're surprised by what he says because he's a very, very honest character. I think he's an honest person in a dressing room and he seems to be an honest character in life. I enjoyed speaking to him about cricket because he's a deep thinker and he's a fantastic player. I think what a lot of people, especially in the in the world of sport, is they get carried away when somebody's not playing because they're better players. So when David Milan is sitting at the top of the tree in world rankings, mind you, I don't believe them T20 world rankings are worth anything because I think there's a lot of a lot of players getting rested, a lot of players getting rotated, and it's not a full... But they're taking nothing away from David Milan on that front. To be at the top or to be in the top 10, being the top six, you are batting well, you're playing well for your team. And to be number one for the length of time he did, that's hats off stuff. But a lot of people got carried away that Joe Root was a better player than David Milan because he was England captain and he, he couldn't play white ball cricket. So everybody was... We need root back in. We need root back in because Joe Root had done a good job during. I think it was the T Twenty World Cup in I think twenty nineteen. So you're always a better player. Some players are better when they're not playing. Unfortunately, that was always thrown at David Milan because there was players getting rested and rotated, and a lot of people from the outside thought if we have our full strength side, David Milan won't be in it. But every time somebody said that, David Milan go get hundred. They go and get eighty. You know, in a in a. In a a T20 game and he kept saying to people just leave me alone yeah you know, have a go at somebody else because every time you have a go at me I get run and you still would have a go at me so I can see what he's saying I fully understand what he's saying I have got no problem with him being honest no problem whatsoever I think it's a breath of fresh air Stuart Broad had said that we would, we would have everybody would have been jumping on the bandwagon ah Brody's look how passionate Brody is he wants to play for England but no problem with that what was the difference between that and what Brody said at Hampshire which uh, the Aegeus ball when COVID hit and he got dropped for that first test he's making a, he was making a statement I think David Milan is making a statement saying I'm number one in the, in the world whether the rankings mean something I don't but every I've been there for a long long time it means I've performed for a long long time so if you want to pick Joe Root then find another role for Joe Root because I'm not going nowhere good on David Milan for saying two final thoughts there um, I
0: think he's a better person and a better cricketer for not watching cricket when he's not playing it. I tell you, somebody else who'd never watched cricket, even when he was next in to bat, was Jacques Callis. Mm. He never, ever watched cricket. The only time he ever watched cricket was when he was head coach of Kolkata Knight Riders, and uh, he was told he had to watch the opposition that they were playing next. Uh, but otherwise, he never watched it. And I think there's something... That's okay if you're 21 years old and the beginning of your career, but... You know what, you, you spent that long playing
1: cricket. Why why would you want to spend, I mean, get on the golf course. Go uh, on. As they used to annoy me, I would I, I must have met a couple of times I played for Durham and went back to sharing a room and whoever was sharing room with, because at night times you'd have like the, the Pro 40 or a, a Blast Gear mod at night time. you get back, sit there, and there was a couple of times I was room with, put, tell you how to put a cricket on. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop like watching the cricket? No, you're not. Not on this stream, you're not. You go somewhere else. I'd rather watch East End as a Coronation Street. I'd be on the field for six to a You put the cricket on that telly and I've got to do rock star style out the window. Does that stop going on there? No chance. I'm not, I love watching a game, but there's times and places. And I'm sure Milan watches cricket every now and again, but the thing I like about it, and I was same. wasn't obsessed by it. I'd switch it off, switch it on whenever I needed to. I felt as though it was time for me to, to get engaged in what little brain I've got. But he is a, I think he is a, he is a wonderful player. He, he played for England in a hard time in test matches. And we get onto what Stuart Broad said this week about the, uh, the Ashes. He played for England during COVID in number three. The hardest place for, uh, to bat for England during the hardest time. And David Milan had to endure that. Mentally, I think this kid is really, really strong. And he could be part of winning um, another World Cup for England. And, you know, for the amount of knockers that he's got, he is an exceptional player for us.
0: And the final point is that uh, when he says that uh, commentators and media people have their favourites and they have their preconceived ideas, he is absolutely right. Uh, I defy any of my colleagues to deny it. It's human nature. It took me a long time. I used to pride myself on thinking that I was dispassionate and uh, i didn't have favorites and i looked at everybody equally it's impossible it, it is impossible it's human nature so he's absolutely right to say that and um it took me a long long time to realize that subconsciously i do
1: have favorites i try not to but i'm human yeah absolutely i'm saying I'm, i talk about even now to the, the, find it hard when you try and commentate differently about where's that of you have come through with. Saying that, Jimmy Anderson, everybody will speak nicely about Jimmy because he played with everybody that ever talks about the game. He'll still be playing when he was when he's thrown it for a few more years yet. So it'd be hard for anybody not to say anything nice about Anderson because they haven't had anything to do with him. But the likes of Stokes and, and Roots, Bear Stokes, these players you've had a connection with, when you play, it, try not to say it from the first name terms and nickname terms, or anything like that. But it's natural because you've you've seen them from from a young age. What you can't do, I don't think, is try and you know favour one over the other or justify one over the other when somebody's having a shocker, somebody's batting well. But I all come back to the point I made right at the very start: is sometimes players are better when they're not playing, it, when they're at the team than when they're in the team because of you know we go off names. He should be, but we don't look at the actual players that are playing at the time, the players that are playing at the time, Malanic is the biggest example. He's performed. Didn't have many of his low scores. He always performed. Well I think we gotta give him some credit for that. Plenty of credit.
0: Yeah. Talking of uh, players not watching games they're playing in, um there's been half a dozen West Indians, at least half a dozen that I know of, who have uh, not been averse to having a nap even when they're when they're next in to bat. Oh. Apparently Peter Hanscom
1: does that as well. Matters we to, we gave him at Somerset with Chanderpool. Chandler Paul's asleep on the balcony and we he's got his pads he's got his pads on, he's only on one pad, he's loved buying the other pad, he's back between his legs and he's snoring and all of a sudden, there's a wicket goes, out walks it, out, You just sort of shook his head as he, the crowd wakes him up because the wicket and he walks out to bat and he does his, I've been on the end of this because he's, he's done it to me in international cricket. He's belted the first one for extra cover before. He's gone on one knee, flipped it over finally for six and then slug swept it for six. And I'm going, 25 seconds ago, he was asleep. Three balls in, he's 16 not out. And I'm like, seconds, he's asleep 30 seconds ago, he snoring his head off. And Shiv did it all the time. Shiv never, Shiv never watched again. He was always snoring before you went out the bat, but he was awake as soon as he got there.
0: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and the former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harbison. Okay, on to uh, lots of other stories. Let's begin with uh, your old mate, Stuart Broad. I don't know. I, I just can't help believing that he's just having a bit of fun. I mean, he, what he said about the last Ashes count, series not counting because of the COVID restrictions and the Ashes are supposed to be about the crowds and the interaction and the whole atmosphere. But didn't he just get the Aussies
1: bubbling? I mean, he's got the reaction that he wanted there with that comment. He did get the reaction he wanted, and he wasn't tongue in cheek. I've spoke to Brodie about this, and he he believes that it's right. And to an extent, I think he's got a little bit of a point. The whole thing should have been done at the start. Has gone. This is a this is a celebration, you know, keeping the lights on for cricket this Ashes because it's not like another Ashes. You haven't got the crowds. You haven't got the the same intensity. It's not as ferocious or what it normally is, whether it's home or away. With the atmosphere that that's on the cities and being around the ashes, so to that extent, I understand what he's saying, and I think he's got a point at that point. But it was still England against Australia, so it was the ashes, Stuart. So I don't know. But he's he's right in one point that I think I think the whole thing should have been it should have been dressed up differently from the very start because you've got to remember England. Especially trying to keep the lights on when it comes to cricket. When Pakistan and the West Indies came over to Old Trafford and the Aegeus Bowl, we got cricket, kept cricket moving, kept cricket going. And then we went into a, an Ashes series where, yes, the cricket is the most important thing, but it's not the be all and end all. It's about the atmosphere, it's about the crowd, it's about the rivalry from two sets, two nations going, you know, our head to head and the battle that way is just as important than what happens on the field and unfortunately that was taken away because of obviously the pandemic so that's what it, I think that's what he's trying to allude and that's what he's trying to say that we should have been celebrated that we were getting we kept cricket going as opposed to well this was like a proper Ashes series because a uh, proper Ashes test test match series because it wasn't it wasn't like a proper Ashes test match series players really struggled during it you know the COVID restrictions in it were horrendous for both play, both sets of players and when you haven't got a crowd, no atmosphere, it just it just takes the edge off it. But at the end of the day, they'll still go down in the in the in the history books as that England lost the Ashes in Australia. So I think there'll be more an incentive to get it back come this summer.
0: What else has caught your attention this week? Johnny Bairstow made his comeback for Yorkshire Twos, made a ninety and a and a sixty, I think. Um, Sir Andrew Strauss is, uh to step down from his role with the ECB. And then there's the restructuring of the
1: championship again. So again. wait for those three, call your eye. Here we go again. Yeah. Um, it, it's a Christmas time again, isn't it? So here we go. Put your put your suggestions in the Christmas cracker, pull them as hard as you can, and we'll see which one comes out. And it's I've come on the championship in a minute. Straussy, look, you have to applaud Andrew Strauss for the, the service he's given the English trigger if this is his last role, if he walks away and he's not seen again. Because I don't see where Strauss he comes back into the into the fold. I think he might go off and try something different. Um and fair play to him, wonderful captain, great leader, unbelievable player, excellent administrator. High performance review was probably three or four years too early for what he was trying to change. But he did it with a good heart and that's what I keep trying to tell people. It wouldn't be surprised me and Five years time that everything that Andrew Strauss suggested will be implemented. It will be. I've got no doubt whatsoever. Just possibly did it at the wrong time because of everybody who's coming back after COVID and county cricket is so protective by members. But I think what he was seeing was the way franchise cricket was coming into the the equation. This is this was the the angle that we were probably going to the rope we were going to go down. Potentially went a bit early, but from a, as a as a former teammate of mine. He should congratulate everything he's done for 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 English cricket because he's been unbelievable. And what a space that high performance review! It was done by a good man and a very very good heart with a cricket brain. who's everything he's done and said will probably be in place within five years. And that's I hope that's not why he's leaving. I hope he's going to go on to do to do other things because he's a, a very very intelligent man and he'd be. A, I think he'd be. A, <laughs> asset to where comes in, wherever he goes. But I think England, English cricket have lost a very, very good administrator. Johnny, well, great to see him back. He's coming back to keep wicket. That's it. He's got no interest in opening the baton. And the only other place he's coming is to keep wicket. And he's making all his intentions there for everybody to see. He's playing for the second team. He's got gloves on. And he's coming out and hitting 50, is it? Number six, no, he's, he's not batting at number seven for Yorkshire second team. And he would probably bat number five for Yorkshire first team when they play Durham in a week's time. But I bet he's got his gloves on and he's saying to the selectors, well, I'm keeping wicket. If we are going to play the Australian bowling attack with four number 10s, do we need 12 Test Match 100s at number seven? I'm giving you the option. And I think that's what Johnny's saying. The Rob Key, Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum. And it would not surprise me if he performs for Yorkshire against Durham. That would be a great game. That is a game to be at. Durham's bowling attack against Yorkshire. And this, I think it's on the 7th or the 8th of May. That's going to be a, a, a home dinger of a, of a, a second-version county championship match. So, yeah, there's been a lot happened this week.
0: What about the uh, restructuring there? I mean, what, what stands out for you? Three divisions of six teams in the county championship. That was, uh, again, part of the high-performance review. Um, restructuring the whole summer, starting with uh, the one-day cup in uh, in april may and uh, more championship cricket in august i don't think anybody will have a pro- problem with that at the heights of the summer uh, yeah and like you said um you know this is this is all like there was a huge backlash from the counties against the uh, high performance review and and, uh, and you know it's summer andrew strauss said, like he cares about county cricket but he obviously put his emphasis on the primacy of the england team at the expense of the counties. But now, after this backlash, it, it seems that uh, the people are sort of gathering in the back rooms going, actually, you know what? That,
1: it wasn't all bad. Yeah, it wasn't all bad. You did have a point at half a dozen things. Look at the three divisions. I'm not sure that's going to work, because you only got 10 games. And as much as I think I would like 10 or 11 teams best in the best, if you've got 18 counties, 10 games... You've seen Yorkshire, Gloucester, English summer. You lose a couple of days. You lose a whole game. All of a sudden, you're losing, you're losing cricket. Hand- and then that, for me, is what the beauty is of, of English cricket. So two divisions work for me. But, look, to make cricket better, I'm open-minded on anything. I think the, the blast going into the, the, the flagship tournament, whether it's the 100 or if it's a new a franchise tournament with 2020 teams, that has to happen. So you have a blast which has got promotion and relegation and then you reward the players from playing in the blast into the either the, the new format of franchise cricket which would be T20 or 100. Then that's going to happen. I'm not averse of one-day cricket being played at the start of the year. We used to do that anyway and the Benson and Hedges was around. Yeah, the, the group games, and then the other yeah, quarterfinal was done by the first Mayor Bank holiday. So I've got no problem with that. I'm trying to get some cricket in August from a championship point of view. Yes, all great ideas. I'm, I don't really care if we play championship cricket in August, I must admit. Why do we have to play championship cricket in August? Just as long as over the course of six months, we play enough championship matches, which gives our players the best chance to you know, play the longer format of the game. Two divisions for me would work. I still think 14 games is ample enough. 10 not enough of first-class cricket. And the the thing that I keep coming back to is that we talk about, it's about England. It's about England. I disagree. In this country, we have a lot of professional cricketers. We've got 18 clubs, which we're not, 18 counties, which we're not going to get rid of. Unless two or three go bust, we're not going to get rid of them. So we've got over 400 first-class cricketers, professional cricketers on our books. Some might say that's too many, and I possibly would agree. What I would say with that is, there's probably only 75 ever going to play for England. Now, the rest of them are earning a living. The rest of them are giving a service. The rest of them are pro- providing entertainment for county members who, so why can't that cricket go alongside the international cricket, which is two different types of cricket, two different types of format, but everybody's got to love. People love the international stuff, but people love the domestic stuff as well. So why can't that go along? A 40 year guillem will go along the same time as a test match. So why can't Forty cricket go along at the same time as the hundred or whatever the hundred's gonna be? Give and take from both sides would be would be huge. Yeah, you look at the summary squad, they can Leicester might not be, be able to say the same, but if the money's coming in, the filter's down, squads can get bigger, squads can get better and bigger, and cricket can put, be played alongside each other. So there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff in that melting pot and I've probably just not made sense whatsoever in what I've just been ranting about for two and a half minutes or maybe more. But I think we're a long way from solving the county cricket problem, a long way from solving it. And it's going to take a lot of give and take by both parties to come to the right conclusion. And unfortunately, I don't see it ending soon and I don't see it ending happily.
0: I'll never ever forget the irrelevance and inconsequentiality and and the lack of intensity of some county games when I covered county cricket you know you'd get to the middle of July sometimes the beginning of July and uh, you know you could see that teams thinking well we're not going to win it this year we're not we're not we're, we've got no chance of finishing in the top 3 and there would be a lack of intensity and I think that problem has been solved by having two divisions and I think that the intention of having six or uh, six team pieces rather than 10 or, or 19 pieces is that that increases the intensity by having three conferences or three divisions of six but I, I think that's breaking it down too much. I, I don't think that there is uh, you know that soft county cricket that, that I, I remember from many years ago before there were two divisions. Let's finish off by talking about the 100 and got <laughs> a chairman and a chief executive who 12 months ago of the ECB were both um, saying that uh, the, the 100 was a problem and that they didn't think it was a good idea. Now they're working for the ECB and they're both saying, yep, yep, we're going to stick with the 100. But it's not working. And the problem, Harmi, is that too much money has been invested in it. It can't afford to fail. So what is missing is a really clever exit strategy, one which will allow everyone at the ECB to say, No, 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 we're not changing it, we're not, we're going right
1: ahead, but then change it. But a lot of people have been saying that from, right from the very start, the one thing the 100 has done, there's pros and cons with this 100, and we have, we have, we have so much highlighted the cons on this programme, to the detriment of some of our reputations being, you know, dragged through the mud in ways of, you do not like the ECB, you do not like this, you do not like that, you know, cricket this and you just love county cricket. It's not we don't. It's not because we love county cricket. It is the simple fact. Think of people that weren't working for certain broadcasting stations. Just knew it wasn't going to work. It knew it wasn't going to work. But how do you get it better? What do you make it? Well, if you get people to invest in it and add twenty balls to it, I don't think you'll go far away from being something that should have happened in the first place. But really, it shouldn't. The good thing about the hundred. The 100 got passed through because we needed a competition to rival other competitions around the world, franchise-wise, to bring in top players and get the best playing against the best. We did that on paper. But what we didn't do was keep to the format that everybody else is playing, that everybody else is around the world going to chase money and getting paid royally for and staying with that format. But no, we are England. We are arrogant. We feel as though we... Yeah, you know, brought the game to the world. We own the game. We are the we are the custodians of the game. So we will tell you exactly how we're going to do it. Again, like Alan Stanford, the hundred has fallen flat on its face, and I mean that with every respect that we've tried our best to to sort of give it you know, the other big the big push. For me, if you add twenty balls to each innings, and you invest in ownership coming in for teams with vast sums of money, you pay players that are getting paid like the are the PCL, a PSL, like you are in, you can't rival the, the IPL. They've got far too much money and it shouldn't even come into the equation. But you you, you pay the Lions a lot more money than they pay now to play for a month in the middle of the season and you pay it. Eight teams play T20, city-based. I think you've got a wonderful tournament. So from a hundred's point of view, you've got to where you want to be or you've just got the wrong format. You've got the, you're playing the wrong, they're playing the wrong type. And I think that was, that for me was the whole top and bottom of it. I had no problem. Best players playing against each other. I had no problem not being played by the counties. I wanted the best be the best. But playing the format, the playing that nobody understood. That's what we were all against because we never seen it getting any better because we're only playing it once a year. It's simple, Harmy. Let's just fast forward, okay? There are 10 IPL franchises.
0: There are eight teams in the 100. Let them bid right now. Let them bid for those teams. And the ECB will have 10 squillion pounds in the
1: bank and they'll be rich and set up for the next century. But, but, but manners it's coming anywhere. So do you want to get involved? Or not? this is the thing about me. with We were own the game. We were the custodians of the game. Do You want to get on board, or you do you not? Because for me, in three to five years' time, they'll be in America. Yeah. They'll be in America if we keep. We have not got the money in this country with ECB. Have not got the money to keep this going because we need outside investment. If we get outside investment, all of a sudden, eight teams playing twenty twenty cricket. We have got a great. We have got a great competition. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler
0: Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week to look back at the week's biggest stories. But for now, this has been another edition of The Cricket Collective, here on TalkSport 2.